You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join Associate Pastor David Pate for the message, Strong Thoughts. Tonight, we're going to be talking about strong thoughts. And I want to start in Philippians chapter 4, and I want to look at a couple of verses in Philippians chapter 4. I want to start in verse 8. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, fix your thoughts. Paul says, think on these things. Okay, fix our thoughts on what? Think about what things. He says, what is true? what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is excellent. And then he goes on to say, then the God of peace will be with you. See, Paul lays it out right here. If we want peace, we've got to have strong thoughts. Paul says it right here. If we want peace, then we've got to be thinking about these things. Our thoughts can have us not living a life of peace. Our thoughts, our mind can have us not living a life of peace. You can't live a life of peace when your thoughts are constantly dwelling on whether you were offended or not. That's why we live offended. We're constantly dwelling on offense. There's no peace living in being offended. Always focusing on negative, that's not peaceful. And negative is natural. We're always, I don't care where you're at or what you're doing, there's going to be a negative thought about it. At Teen Challenge, I don't like this guy. I don't like that. I don't like the way this is. I don't like the food. I don't like that. There's always going to be negative. And we're constantly dwelling on negative. There's no peace. There's no peace in negative. Always worried about something. There's no peace in that. There is no peace in worry. And you know, there's always something that we can worry about, that we can be stressed over, or fear, or listening to lies. You know when you listen to lies, there's no peace? Social media, you read social media sometimes, and there is no peace. And BT Dubs, if you're getting your news source from social media, you're in the wrong place, because it's lies. But, but you, even our news media, you, 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 you watch the news. There could be no peace in that, always complain. None of those thoughts are strong and none of those thoughts will ever lead to peace. You know, peace is a state of mind. It's not a list of possessions. Peace is a state of mind. That's what Paul is saying here. He said, think on these things, whatever's lovely, admirable. What is it? See, he said, then the, then the God of peace will be with you. See, peace is a state of mind. It's not a list of possessions. But you know what? A lot of times, especially today, we think it's a list of possessions. When I get $1,000 in the bank, when I get $10,000 in the bank, when I get this kind of car, you know what? When we're married 10 years and, and, and then we buy this house, or, or if I could have this job and we're, we never have any peace because we think peace is status, 
We think peace is a dollar amount. Well, you know, I, I just have no peace in my life. I'm, you know, I'm overworked and underpaid. That, you will have that thought no matter what job that you have. Because we think satisfaction and peace comes from a job or a boss or whatever. Peace comes from doing what God has called us to do and thinking on these things like Paul is saying to do. See, something will always pop up in our lives that will make us unsatisfied. That's what we have to know. Something will always pop up in our lives and we'll never be satisfied. The mind, our mind, is where success and failure is determined. We have to know that. Our mind is where success and failure is determined. The problem is when you say that in church, you know what pe people think, oh, that's a worldly comment. Pe people think in their mind, that's a worldly message, that's mind over matter, or that's the power of positive thinking. That, 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 there, there goes the church doing self-help right there. That, that's what the church is doing. That is self-help. When it's the flip opposite, the world has stolen what the Bible has taught us. Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I love the amplified version. It says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he in behavior. See, he, 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 the, I love the Amplify because it amplifies that, and it says what we believe in our heart is what happens out in reality. But anytime you talk about that in the church, people start thinking in the church, oh, well, that, the, the church is going to the world's message right there. And that, no, that's the flip opposite. The world has taken a biblical truth and is trying to apply it to their lives. See, how we think is what we become. Do, do you know what kind of thoughts successful people think? Successful thoughts. Do you know what kind of thoughts depressed people think? Depressed thoughts. See, people with good marriages, they think good married thoughts. They think, I need to forgive my mate. They, they, I, I want to help my mate. I want to bless my mate instead of I want my mate to bless me. Do you know what kind of thoughts bad church members think? <laughs> bad church member thoughts. They don't ever think good. They don't ever think, oh, my pastor's a man too. He's not perfect. No, 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 no. They think very critical, bad church member thoughts. Good employees think bad employee thoughts. No, it's never going to happen that way. As we think, so we are. If you're a good employee, it's because you think right about the place that you work. See, church, we have to see what a thought is going to produce before we dwell on it. Before I go and start complaining, before I am negative all the time, before I worry about every single thing, but before, I love what pastor talks about, you know, my arm hurts. Oh, it must be cancer in my arm. You know, pastor, we, we worry, we go to the worst case scenario. All, before I dwell on that thought, what's it going to produce? So we talked in the opening of this series in the fact that nothing in life just happens. There's a cause and effect relationship in life. If you sow this seed, you're going to reap this type of a benefit. Thank God that we, he did not put us on this earth to be victims of our circumstances. Nothing just happens, okay? So with our thoughts, what kind of thoughts are we thinking? Here on this earth, we really have two options that we're seeing right now. We're either going to be victims in our life, or we're going to be victors in our life. 
It, with our thoughts, we're either going to be victims in our mind, and really that's what we're teaching today. We are teaching today that you are a victim. You are who you are, and you cannot help it. You're a victim. Everything that you've done is not your fault. You just need to accept it and be who you are. And that couldn't be more opposite of what the Word of God says. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, choose life or choose death. See, God says you can have life, you just have to choose it. The world is saying, no, 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 you're a victim, accept it. And God's saying, no, you, you can be a victim, but you've chosen to be a victim. If you will, will, will choose life, then, then you can be a victor. Our circumstances don't, succeed, don't decide our success, our thoughts do. Our thoughts do. Are we going to be a victim or are we going to be a victor? You know when something bad happens to a victim, it simply confirms in their mind what they already thought about themselves? See, I knew it. But you know, when something bad happens to a victor, they just say, oh, that's just, that's no big deal. That's just a roadblock on the road to success. That's no big deal. I'll, I'll get past that. See, at Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. I love the great example. I don't know if you've ever studied Abraham Lincoln and studied his uh, biography and looked at his life and what happened to him. You know, many say that Abraham Lincoln was one of the greatest presidents of all time. I mean, the guy fought, you know, he was the one that led the fight against slavery and, and one of the most powerful uh, moments in, in the history of America. And, and I don't know about you, but for me in my lifetime, every president that we have had has been very wealthy. You know, Reagan, uh, all the Bushes, the Clintons, um, uh, President Obama, President Trump. You know, we, presidents now are, are very affluent, but, but that's not the upbringing that Abraham Lincoln had. And I want to read you just a little bit of what he went through growing up. He was born in 1809 in a log cabin in Kentucky uh, with his mom and his dad, and he never had any formal schooling growing up. He didn't go to a school. Everything he learned, he learned on his own. At age seven, they were forced out of their home, and when he was nine years old, his mom died. In 1831, at age 22, he attempted a business. He started his own business, and he failed at it. In 1832, at age 23, he ran for state legislature and lost. That same year, he lost his job. That same year, he applied to law school, was rejected. So he thought, I'll borrow some money from a friend to start a business. It failed. He went bankrupt. And for the next 17 years of his life, he spent paying off that bankruptcy. Well, in 1835, a good thing finally happened to him, and he fell in love with a lady by the name of Ann Rutledge. And they were engaged to be married. They, they got engaged, and shortly after they were engaged, she died kind of a tough life. It says, after that, he had a nervous breakdown and was bedridden for six months. I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. At what point do you just quit? Because he didn't. He got out of bed six months later and moved fast forward to 1838. He ran for Speaker of the State Legislature and was defeated. 1840, he ran for Elector of the State and was defeated. 1843, he ran for Congress and lost. At what point do you think, maybe God hasn't called me to be a politician? <laughs> maybe no one really wants to elect me or vote for me. 
1846, he actually runs for Congress again. He wins. He wins, only to be defeated two years later when going for re-election. But what's really cool, if you know your history, it was in that two-year election that he met John Quincy Adams. Right before John Quincy Adams died, he was mentored by John Quincy Adams. Of course, John Quincy Adams spent his entire life trying to end slavery, dies and never sees slavery ended. But the only time that Abraham Lincoln is elected, that was when he connected with John Quincy Adams. Just really, really cool. 1849, rejected for state land office. 1854, ran for U.S. Senate and lost. 1856, ran for VP nomination, got less than 100 votes at the convention. 1858, ran for U.S. Senate and lost. Awesome. Finally, in 1860, he was elected president and then re-elected for a second term. See, what was happening inside of President Lincoln each and every time he lost? See, what was happening inside of him is what James chapter 1 says when it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials. Because it's during those difficult times that it produces perseverance And perseverance has to happen so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, there's two options when difficult things happen, victim or victor. Victim or victor. But Lincoln decided to play the victor card and overcome instead of being a victim. So you can write this down every time. Our mind is where success and failure is determined. It's in our mind that insecurity either wins or loses. It's in our mind that lust either wins or loses. See, it's in our mind that addiction either wins or loses. It's in our mind that truth, that frustration, that stress, that hurt, that our feelings, they either win and decide what we're going to do or they lose. See, church, we've got to have strong thoughts. We've got to have strong thoughts. See, from now on, we've got to quit seeing ourselves as poor, as addicted, as defeated, as not fitting in, as some marginalized group. And we've got to see ourselves as a child of God with a call on our lives. But see, it's in our minds as we think, so are we. With my girls' basketball team, I am constantly telling them, and they could quote this, this line, I am constantly telling them, confidence is a choice. Confidence is a choice. And this year for our varsity girls basketball team during our preseason tournament, one of several that you can attend, we were in the consolation game. If you're ever in the consolation game, that's the losers game, okay? That's the two teams who get together that can't win, and so hopefully they can play each other and it be close, okay? We actually won our consolation game, And I told our girls, I said, girls, next year we are going to win the state tournament. I would just like for us to win it this year. I said, confidence is a choice. Confidence is a choice. And you know they got better and better and went on and won their regional tournament. And then we became state champions this year. That team that was in the consolation game, we didn't change. I didn't gain any new players. In fact, I lost a player from the preseason tournament to the state tournament. But what happened was they changed their thought life. They changed their thought life. That was all it was. They gained confidence and believed in what they had. Turn to Judges chapter 6, and I want us to see that's exactly what happened in Gideon's life. If you remember Gideon, nothing changed as far as he he didn't get an inheritance. He didn't all of a sudden grow a foot. 
He, he didn't get, nothing happened in Gideon's life except for he decided to change his thought life. Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 7, it says, When they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites. Move forward to verse 11. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all those miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel, the Midianites. I am sending you. See, when the angel of the Lord was speaking to Gideon, all, all the angel was trying to do was change his thought life. Because he said, go with the strength you have. He didn't say, here's a million dollars, now go make a difference. He didn't say, here's a different set of giftings, now go make a difference. He didn't say, here's a different family, now go make a difference. He didn't say, here's a different job, now go make a difference. He said, go with the strength you have. Verse 15, but the Lord God replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest of the whole tribe of Manasseh. I am the least in my entire family. What did Gideon just speak about? What he thought. See, he just spoke what he thought. Then the Lord said to him in verse 16, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as you were fighting against one man. See, the Lord said to Gideon, go with the strength you have. See, the problem is we just don't think the same way about ourselves that God thinks about us. We don't think the same way that God thinks about us. See, Gideon had believed the label that he had grown up with. And God said, you've got to change the label to see the way that I see you. See, the facts of our circumstances are not going to change until we change them. The facts of our circumstances are not going to change until we change them. And life wants us to believe that we are trapped by our circumstances. That, that is what life wants us to believe, that we are trapped where we're at. But as a Christ follower, we have to understand the whole message of the cross was change. The whole message of what Jesus came was to say, we can change. Who we used to be can change to who we're going to be. See, we don't have to stay where we're at, but it starts with changing our thoughts. And I want today, as you're here today, to be a day that we start to remove labels. You guys, you're in Teen Challenge, and that's what the whole Teen Challenge program is all about. It's about changing the old label to being a new label. It's from being a victim to being a victor. Where does that happen? Proverbs 23, 7. As you think, so you are. If you take a psychology class in college, our pastor's a psychology major, they teach on what is called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And once again, people say, well, that, there's the church talking about the world. No, there's the world trying to learn from the Bible. See, you, you, you think I'm not smart at math. So you know what happens? You're not smart at math. You think I will never have any money. So you know what happens? You never have any money. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Proverbs 20, that's Proverbs 23, 7 in action right there. I'm not good at anything. You have low self-esteem. Therefore, you're not good at anything. I feel great all the time. See, people who say, I never get sick, I never get sick, you know what happens? <laughs> P 
People that say it's flu season, I get the flu every time, I said, well, we're going to miss you. I never do. But see, it's a self-fulfilled prophecy. You know, it's amazing to me how God's Word only works every single time. In fact, according to a report from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, listen to this, stress has a great impact on our health. According to the Department of U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, 70 to 80 percent of all visits to the doctor are stress-related and stress-induced illnesses. I believe that. I see it. I see people work themselves into being sick. I don't feel well. I don't feel well. I gotta go. I don't feel well. You know, when you push through and you say, "I'm gonna be fine. I don't feel. I'll be fine." I'll be fine later. I'm good. I'm good. It's amazing how we can all of a sudden get better. See, stress contributes, this this report said stress contributes to 50% of all illnesses in the United States. 50% of all illnesses. It says the cost of job stress in the U.S. is estimated at $200 billion annually because of the loss of productivity and insurance claims and all this kind of stuff because our thoughts are controlling us instead of us controlling our thoughts. See, God set us on this earth to be in control, but you know what happens is so many other things control us. A plant controls us. Our emotions control us. Our thoughts control us. we got to understand this principle that successful people think successfully. All this year, we're talking about stronger and stronger. That's what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about having and living a strong life. Well, where are we getting our strength from? Where are we looking to get our strength from? If we, if changing our thoughts will change our lives, how do we do that? If changing our thoughts will change our lives, how do we do that? I want to give us three things tonight in order to change our thought life. How do we change our thoughts to God's Word and have strong thoughts? I want to leave you tonight with three keys. The first thing that we have to do, if we're going to have strong thoughts, is we have to identify the source of our thoughts. We have to identify the source of our thoughts. Did we get that thought from the Word of God or did we get it from the world? Did we get, did we get that thought from our flesh or did we get that from the truth. See, did we get that from man's opinion or did we get that from God's word? Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And then in Romans 12 2, how do we do that? How, How do we become transformed into a new person? It says by changing the way you think. Transformation doesn't happen by worship service. Transformation does not happen, but it it happens, Paul says, it happens by changing the way you think. See, we're looking for an emotional moment to change us instead of allowing the Word over time to simply change our thinking. See, we, we live in such a sensationalized time 
because of our media and the way that we have everything, we're looking for an emotional moment. That's why we move from church to church, because that church didn't do it for me. When a church never does it for you, it's the Word of God that does it for you when it changes the way you think. See, we've got to ask ourselves, where did that thought come from? Did that come from God? Or did that come from my flesh? Was that wisdom or was that emotion? Was that the truth or was that culture seeping in? Because I've seen well-meaning, awesome church leaders get caught up in worldly trends. I've seen them get caught up. No, 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 wait a minute. No, what, what you just said there, that, that is the culture seeping into the church instead of the church seeping into culture. See, we got to change the way we think. See, where did that thought come from? See, playing the victim card, is that the behaviors of this world or is that God. See, thinking everything is a group fight. Is that from culture or is that from God? See, my insecurity about money or my job description or my body image. See, is that coming from the world or is that coming from the Word of God? we got to identify our source. I love Colossians 2.8. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from where? Human thinking. And then from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. See, Paul said, what is your source? Are you getting your source from human thinking and the spiritual powers of this world? Or are we getting our thoughts from Christ? We've got to identify our source. Because there is an enemy that wants to attack our thoughts. There is an enemy that wants to attack our thoughts. Because if the enemy can get us in our mind, he can get us in our life. Because as you think, so you are. See, before we run with a thought and champion a cause, we got to consider the source. What is the source? Is that truth or a lie? The second thing we've got to do, if we're going to have strong thoughts, first thing we've got to do is we've got to identify the source. Where are my thoughts coming from? See, that offense that I have, is that a godly offense or is that a worldly offense? See, that, that insecurity that I have, is that, from the, is that from God or is that from the enemy? Is it the enemy that brings on my insecurity? Is it the enemy that brings on my addiction? Is it the enemy that brings on my love? See, where is that anger problem coming from? Is that co- we got to identify the source. And then number two, we got to cut out the wrong source. we got to cut out the wrong source. we got to cut out wrong thoughts. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a very powerful verse. In fact, there's two verses in Corinthians that I want you to see before we end tonight that I think are some of the most powerful verses in the Bible that we've got to apply these verses to our lives. 2 Corinthians, toward the back of your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. This is one that I think every Christ follower needs to underline, highlight, keep, put it somewhere. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, as a Christ follower, we are going to have wrong thoughts that come into our mind. But what we've got to do is take those thoughts captive. He says we have to take uh, captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Whenever a wrong thought, whenever an insecure thought comes into our head, what we've got to do, what Paul says we have to do, is take that thought. I take that thought captive in Jesus' name. See, in, in Jesus' name, worry is not going to have me captive. 
I take worry captive in Jesus' name. See, fear is not going to take me captive. Addiction is not going to take me captive. Lust is not going to, depression is not going to take me captive. I take that thought captive in Jesus' name. That's what the Word of God, that's what Paul says. Anything that tries to, to elevate itself above God's Word, no, 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 I take that thought captive. See, the key to freedom in our thought life is we got to take wrong thoughts captive. First thing we got to do is we got to see the source. Okay, that's, that's not a right thought. That, that's from the world. And the second thing we've got to do is we've got to take that thought captive. See, I refuse to think that about myself. I refuse to think that about my future. I refuse to think, no, that's my past. That's not my future. That may be who I was, but that's not who I am going to be. No, no, no. See, what the enemy does is the enemy is the great YouTube replayer. That's what the enemy is. The enemy is YouTube. He is always going to take you back to that video and replay in your mind who you were. And that's where you can easily say, no, 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 I take that thought captive because that's what I did. That's not who I am. And that's what I did past tense. That's not what I'm doing. And that's not what I'm going to do. I take that thought captive in Jesus' name. I'm not going to think that way about my church. I'm not going to think that way about my job. I'm not going to think that way about my mate or my future or myself. I love this quote by Martin Luther, the, the reformer. He said, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. I love that quote. That's like something in a fortune cookie right there. You know what I'm saying? You get done with your Chinese food. Open it up. You can't keep birds from flying overhead. You know, I mean, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. That's so true. You cannot keep a bird from flying up in the air, but you can sure keep it from landing and living and building a nest and raising a family and laying an egg and feeding it. You can sure keep. We, we, we are flesh. We are flesh. We're going to have flesh thoughts. We're going to have wrong thoughts. We're going to have negative thoughts. We're going to have things that come into our mind, but they don't have to stay there. We don't have to dwell on them. We don't have to build a home on those wrong thoughts. And I think we have Christ followers who have built a home on wrong thoughts, who have lived a lifestyle of insecurity. Instead of, I cast that thought out in Jesus' name. I love Pastor Paul. He says, he, he, I've heard him say this in a sermon one time. He said, temptation is just as much an opportunity to do right as it is to do wrong. Temptation isn't wrong, sin is. Because if temptation was wrong, then Jesus would have sinned. And Jesus was tempted. Remember, the, the devil brought him up and tempted him, but Jesus did not do wrong. See, temptation is the crossroads between right and wrong. Am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way? See, we are tempted many times in our head, but the question is, are we going to give in to that temptation? See, James says that each one is tempted by their own evil desires, but it says when you give birth to temptation, that leads to sin. See, our mind is the intersection between success and failure. Our mind is the intersection between temptation and sin. Our mind is the intersection between peace and misery. Which one are we choosing. First thing we got to do is we got to identify the source. See, is that thought a right thought? Then number two, we got to take out the wrong source. We got to take out the wrong thoughts. We got to take those thoughts captive to Jesus' name. And then the last one, 
The third thing we got to do is we got to put in the right source. We got to put in the right thoughts. We got to take out the wrong thoughts and put in the right thoughts. And you know, I think many times as Christ, as Christians, we can identify the source. We can say, you know what, I see where that source is. And then I, I think we also are, are good at rebuking things and saying, you know what, I cast that thought out in Jesus' name. But I think the one that we struggle with the most, see, we're good at getting clean. We just have a hard time staying clean. See, I'm good at cleaning out insecurity. I just have a hard time with insecurity coming back. See, I'm good at getting rid of fear, but I just have a hard time with it coming back. I'm good at getting rid of anger, but I have a hard time with it coming back. And, and, and Jesus taught that in Matthew chapter 12 when he talked about an evil spirit comes out of a man. And he says it goes through, in chapter 12, verse 43, he said it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house that I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. Jesus talked about cleaning a house and then not putting anything back in it. See, we can take thoughts captive, but then we've got to put in other thoughts. See, the problem is we go to a conference, or we go to church, or we have a personal Bible study, and we get a real revelation from God, and we're good at getting clean. We're just bad at staying clean. We're just bad. We're good at getting rid of old habits. We're just bad about those old habits coming right back instead of replacing them with new ones. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what that Spirit desires. See, whatever area we are struggling in, we got to ask ourselves, when I take that thought captive, what am I going to replace it with? And that goes back to the beginning where Paul said, we got to Think about what is true, what is lovely, what is admirable. we got to replace old habits with new ones. The bottom line is strong thoughts come from putting in strong thoughts. A strong thought life comes from putting in strong thoughts. Our pastors challenge us to listen to podcasts, to read the Word of God. I know he's challenged us this year to read the Bible through from cover to cover all the way in this year. I was talking to Sean the other day. Sean's almost done. She's going to read it four times this year, once a quarter. She's an overachiever. I love it. But see, she's putting in strong thoughts. And when you put in strong thoughts, it's really hard for weak thoughts to dominate. But we can't just clean our house and then hope it stays clean. And finally, I want to end with 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. If you would turn there, we're going to end tonight. I love this verse. Over the past couple of years, this has been a verse that, that I have leaned on and leaned on quite a bit. And this is one that I believe all of us have to see. is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because we live in a day and time where everyone is different. Everyone is the exception. We're told today, you're different than everyone else. No one else is like you. You can't help it. It's not your fault. And then Paul ruins all that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He said, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. The problem is, we don't take that way out. 
Well, I just can't help it. I just can't help it, man. I just can't help it. I just, well, I just, I, you know, worry, insecure. I just, man, I just can't help it. I just can't. It's not, it's a lie. I mean, Paul said, we're no different. Some of our temptations may be different, but temptation still has the same result. It separates us from God when it leads to sin. But what happens is we give in to that temptation. We didn't want to take that way out. And all of us can name a moment where we crossed a line we should not have crossed, and we had a way out. We just did not choose that way out. We have to see what a thought is going to produce before we dwell on it. We've got to quit being Christians that repair things after the fact and not destroy things on the front end. Let's quit being repair Christians, and let's start being Christians that see things on the front end. We have to ask ourselves, is that a strong thought, or is that a victim thought? Is that an offended, weak thought? Is that culture getting into my thought life? Is that a weak parenting thought? Is that a weak financial thought? This job's just taking advantage of me. Is that a strong thought? Is that what the Bible says? Well, I want everyone else to take care of me. Is that a strong thought? Three things we got to do in order to have strong thoughts. We got to identify the source, we got to take out wrong thoughts, and we got to put in strong thoughts. Come on, church, let's get stronger and stronger this year as we walk in strong thoughts. Proverbs 23 7, as you think, so are you. Let's stand here tonight. God, we thank you for your word. God, I know that sometimes our minds can be such a battleground where our flesh wants to fight against what you're trying to grow in our hearts. God, I pray that our church would be a church that casts out wrong thoughts and we grab hold of strong thoughts and put them in. God, because you have a plan for our lives. God, help us to be a people that believes your word and doesn't believe the enemy's lies in our head. God, you have great things for us. God, we're going to be a church that is overcomers. We're going to be a church that goes out and changes lives because we have strong thoughts. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.